Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane, and as usual, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Scott McDermott, the Chief Sports Writer of the Sunday Mail. Welcome, Scott. How are you doing, Johnny? Today we've got plenty to talk about, and uh, not least two Rangers games since we were last on. I think we'll touch very, very briefly, first of all, on the Ross County game, move on after that to Hibs, and then take some questions from uh, the punters. So, Scott, first of all, Ross County... I know it's a few days ago, so we're just going to be very, very brief on this now. Yeah. I was covering the game for Record Sport, watching it live. For me, one of the best performances that Rangers have put in this season. Very slick, middle to front, superb. Ross County obviously came and tried to attack. And actually, I thought, especially in the second half, did quite well. Hit the bar, uh, hit the bar and the post. So yeah. they did pretty well. But overall, I thought Rangers were an irresistible form. Yeah, they were. I was at the game, Johnny, uh, lucky enough to, to see it firsthand. And listen, I think the big the big difference for me compared to the previous week at Motherwell was the start that Rangers made. I mean, I know I bang on about it on here uh, almost every week, but if Rangers fly out the traps in games and can get early goals, then I think it makes a, it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but it makes a massive difference. Um, I think it's to do with attitude and urgency and desire, no right for kickoff. And they had that against Ross County. Um, I'd say that I was quite impressed as well, just in terms of the way Ross County had set up, because I thought, no, at least they're, they're going to have a go. But ultimately, no, they paid the price for that. They could have got a couple of goals themselves, but individual errors at the back, poor defending for set pieces, um, really cost them. That that's what we've up John Hughes the most after the game. But not for Rangers' point of view, as you say, pretty irresistible flying start. Get the early goal for for Kent, and then there was there was no looking back after that. Yeah, I mean, and a couple of terrific goals, Scott. I mean, we'll, we'll move on to another terrific goal in the Hibs game. But um, f- for me, the, the Ryan Kent's header was just a, a terrifically intelligent looping header. It was kind of the only thing that he could have done because there wasn't a lot of pace in that yeah. knockback from Alfredo Morelos. No fault of the, the strikers, obviously, but you're not going to sort of power that header in from there. So the only thing he could do is cleverly loop the keeper. And then Ryan Jack's goal was just a wonderful, wonderful team goal. I think Gerard after the game said... Um, that it was his favourite goal of the season. And, and that's me not mentioning Joe Aribo's moment of individual brilliance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, Aribo's goal was the one that, that, that kind of really got us out of our seats, if you like, in the, in the press box. And, you no, know, we've discussed Aribo enough on here, but those are the type of moments that I think we both feel that, that he's capable of, but maybe hasn't produced enough in a, in a Rangers jersey. Um but, I mean, that, that's what you expect, Ferry, but that's the, the talent that he's got. Um, we've, we've seen it on a few occasions, but, as I say, not, not nearly enough for me. Um, so that, that well, was terrific, probably... time, t- t- 
terrific time in Scott and the fact that we released a social media video of us sort of saying this in detail know, about I Joe Aribo and then he goes on in the next game and does that so that, if you've got was, critics that's the way to answer them isn't it? I was going to say, that was discussed by a, a certain Mr Newport in the Ibrox press box the minute that, that goal went in um, and he reminded me of her, of her comments a couple of days previously so obviously, <laughs> Joe, obviously Joe's been listening to the, to the podcast and decided to produce the goods um, but no it was a brilliant goal that was the kind of standout moment. I know uh, Ryan Jack's goal was was terrific as well, and you're right, Gerard did say it was one of his favourite favourite goals of the season. Just a great build up, brilliant finish, um, and really good to see Jack back playing and, and getting forward and, and getting on the score sheet. But I must admit, Aribo was the Aribo was the kind of wow moment in the game for me. Yeah, absolutely. A terrific moment of skill and uh, really um, that's 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 what you want to see from a player of his quality going forward. And I thought throughout the game he was actually really, really good. Right, we're going to move on to the Hibs game now, Scott. Uh, terrible pitch, so it yeah. was never going to be a pretty football match. But what it was, was an absorbing, entertaining affair nonetheless in a sort of traditional Scottish football blood and thunder kind of way. I actually thought throughout the game Hibs were pretty good. But Rangers showed a resilience and a strength of character that Stephen Gerrard has definitely added this season that, that hasn't been there in previous years. I think the Rangers of 2018-19, for example, would have wilted under the yeah. pressure that Hibs put them under. But it was, a, it was a gritty performance. And ultimately, you have a moment of real class, great intricate passing move that, that Joe Rebo sets up. Ultimately, Alfredo Morelos to, to pop the ball into the net. And it's a big moment from, for uh, the Colombian because... You know, Scott, he's not he's not been as he was in previous years this season, but there are now signs, you know, a double against Aberdeen, goal against Hibs, yeah. that he's maybe just getting refocused and coming back to being the player that we know he can be. And, you know, we've even seen a little bit of that uh, traditional Alfredo Morelos <laughs> devilment coming in, which, listen, that's uh, that's part of his game. And, and, and often when Alfredo Morelos is, is doing those things, that's when he's at his best. That's when he's got his hackles up and he's prepared to go to war yeah. in a game and, and, and you see the difference well it's interesting that you know, when Morelos went through a spell where he wasn't scoring you know, he wasn't getting any yellow cards or getting any bother either so whether there's a kind of correlation between the two um, I think you could probably make a case for that now he's back he's back scoring goals again but he's also he's also getting into bother um, either during games or, or after games Um but no, you're right about the, the performance. Um, I think the Rangers of you no know, two years ago would have probably drawn that game. No, Hibs would have probably got an equaliser and they would have taken a they would have taken a point. I think the difference is, as you say, just this resilience, this defensive solidity. I think between the goalkeeper, the two centre backs, and especially the other night, uh, Davis and Kamara's performance in, in front of them. No, just gives Rangers that that real platform. Uh, not just in a defensive mode, but also no on a on a horrible pitch. You know, the way Davis and Kamara kept possession and you no know, still managed to, to to play their passes in the game um, was terrific to see uh, for Rangers' point of view. And listen, I think they deserve to win. I don't think there were any in any real danger of of dropping points. I know there was a couple of moments in the first half. Um, and obviously, if Morelos had been 
uh, reprimanded the first half, then it would have, it might have left them left them short. But towards the end of the game is when I think you really seen that the not just the resilience, but the the game management, the intelligence, the clever use of substitutions. Because I thought Itten and Roof coming on made a, a, a massive difference and, and ensured that you no know, for the last 10, 15 minutes of the game, whereas in previous seasons it might have been squeaky bum time and, and Rangers feeling under the cosh, I think those two provided great outlets for them up front, getting them up the pitch, holding it up, bringing others into play, winning fouls. That was the big difference. And if you look again at the last 10, 10 15 minutes of the game, <clears throat> Rangers were never in danger. Um, they just had to come up with that, that one moment. Um, and they did that obviously through the through the Morelos goal. Listen, let's touch on um, the the flashpoint in the tabloid parlance <laughs> between Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Portes. I'll give you my uh, take on it, Scott. Um, I don't think it was crime of the century. I've got to say, and I, I agree with Darren McGregor when he said after the game, I don't think Morelos was intending to injure Ryan Porteous. I think he was being a bit sneaky and a bit yeah. naughty, um, and which is often the case with Morelos. I don't think he has a lot of... He's got devilment about him, but I don't think he's got a lot of sort of nasty intent no. a lot of the time. I just think he's a bit petulant. Now, for me, here's here's how I would describe it. That Portes goes flying in front of Morelos, obviously, after the challenge. Morelos is taken forward with the momentum of the, that challenge. Now, for me, watching it back... He could have avoided stepping on his leg. For me, there's no doubt. For me, it's absolutely an attempt to just leave something a wee bit naughty um, and and just bend the rules slightly and just leave his mark on Porteous, who I'm sure has been giving him a bit of a tough time physically because you know Porteous is no shrinking yeah. violent when it comes to that. So so I think it was a red card, Scott, for violent conduct, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think it was a particularly nasty one to get really excited about. I just think it was one of those ones where Morelos gets just a wee bit, a wee bit caught up in the in the battle. Yeah, um, you're, you're right. You Listen, he, like, he likes. Well, Morelos likes playing on the on the edge. No, he likes taking it to the, you no, know, to the extreme. If you like, and and, and almost kind of, almost golden players or referees into giving them. No, giving him anti bother or giving him uh, punishment, and I, I totally agree with you. It, listen, he's not trying to hurt. If he tries to hurt him, then he would no, he, he would forcefully stamp. No, and if he forcefully stamp somebody's thigh, then you're going to know about it. You're, you're going to feel it. But you're right. It was it was petulant. It was a bit naughty. He could have got his foot out the road. He could have stood elsewhere, but he decided, as you say, just to no leave a wee marker. Test the ref, no, just almost kind of, as I say, uh, no, take the gamble. No, he likes he likes gambling. It's that it's that kind of element of risk with, with him. No, that that playing on the edge that I'm talking about, and he and he gets away with it. No, other occasions he wouldn't have got away with it. I think he was lucky, um, but as we said earlier, it's it's the way he is. But we've spoke many times on here about whether. No, certain incidents was going to be the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You were going to see a different Morelos. Listen, I think we can all agree now, you're never going to take that that side of his game away. And people would argue that if you do take that away, then you lose a wee bit uh, at the other end of the at the other end of the scale. So Stephen Gerrard's got to manage that. You no, know, the bigger picture is that Gerard's got to weigh up 
you know, the pros and cons of Morelos. I think between now and the end of the season, he will protect him because he needs his goals to get Rangers over the over the line in this title race. I think you saw that the other night with, with Gerard's kind of diplomatic comments um, post-match. But ultimately, I think the end of the season will be the time for, for Morelos to go. And I think Stephen Gerrard will, will know that. And I mentioned Ruth and Itton coming on in the second half. For me... Those two are now the the future of Rangers' strike force in terms of the next few years. Obviously, if Morelos goes, they would need to, they would bring someone else in. But I think those two signings, um, who I mean, Ruth, I think's you know, a, a class act. Clearly, Itton is a you no know, a player still in, you no know, still with progression in him. They see him as a bit of a work in progress. But I think he's shown enough now, even in the cameos, to 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 show mm. that next season. Will be a big, will be a big year for him. I think Gerard's got trust in him, so um, I, I think they're they're going to be the future. And you know, if if, if Morelos gets his hands in a title this at the end of the season, which I'm sure he will, I think that could be his last last harana in a Rangers jersey. Presuming, no, assuming that bids bids obviously come in for him. There's obviously been a furor about it. And uh, I think uh, a lot of Rangers fans are, are are asking why there isn't the same level of furor about Darren McGregor's challenge on, on Glenn Kamara, Scott. Yeah. My take on it, I've got to be honest with you, I don't think it's quite the same. Because although he should have been booked for me for rugby tackling uh, Kamara to the ground in the way he did, I think after the game, he, uh, he said that his colleagues at Hibs had described it as a WWE challenge, and, and it certainly was. But I think for me, the momentum on that meant that he was moving forward at a pace where he kind of almost couldn't get out of the way. Yeah. It's totally debatable, that one, Scott, and I can see both sides. So I'm not saying that it's, no, it's categorically not a red card. It could yeah. have been, and he's making the referee take a decision. But for me, if Morelos is sort of erring between a yellow and a red, but more to a red, to me that the McGregor one is the opposite of that. It's between a yellow and a red, but kind of erring more towards a yellow. What do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Johnny, I mean, listen, I, I do still think McGregor's McGregor's lucky to get away with it in the same the same way as Morelos, because you're taking, no, you're taking that that risk. No, and he did stand on his leg. I mean, that in terms of no kind of where he positioned his 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 boot, then it was it was similar. But you're right. I think it was a bit it was a bit less blatant. Um, and I think there was it was more... a, I think the difference, Scott, is it was a first step. It was yeah, his was, first step, yeah, whereas Morelos had taken chance, a step before. Yeah, yeah, there was more chance for Morelos to get his to get his foot out of the road. But yeah. listen, I don't, I, no, I still think Darren McGregor, no, Darren McGregor probably still knew what he was doing. I mean, I don't think mm. it was completely unintentional, but I think Darren McGregor probably knew the situation that that specific situation it was in, and probably knew that he was going to get. Get away with it, you know, and the most it would be would be a would be a yellow card. I think Morelos was sailing a bit uh, closer to the wind with his, um, and obviously he was he was lucky to get away with without a card at all. So I do think there was slight differences, but you're right. You no, know, Dan McGregor still still took a chance, still gave the ref a, a decision to make, but I just don't think it was quite as blatant as as Morelos's. Uh, I don't really want to get into the details of the game, Scott, you know, because I, for, for me watching it, it, the pitch was so rutted that it, it kind of as a spectacle or as a tactical discussion about the game, you know, it was one of those where it was more about desire, you know, defensive nous, 
making your chances count. It, it was a, it was a typical blood and thunder Scottish football match from the year two thousand. You know, it wasn't a technical uh, feast for the eyes that you can sort of pick apart. But no. one performance that I thought elevated above the pitch. Um, was was Glenn Kamara. I actually thought ably assisted by Ryan Jack, who really, for me, added that grit, determination and steel to the Rangers midfield that you could see had been slightly missing despite their, yeah. their form. But Glenn Kamara, Scott, what a buy he's been, continues to just grow and grow this season. Actually, to the point now where you're starting to wonder if the, the previous pigeonholing of him as a sort of de- defensive holding midfielder has been a little bit um, slightly underrated what he's yeah. got in his locker because I think you're seeing this development of him into more of a number eight or certainly someone who can play more as a number eight. Yeah. And I can completely see why Finland are playing him in that role. Yeah. No, listen, I, I agree. He was outstanding the other night. I think he's. I think he has taken his game onto a. Uh, on to another level now. Um, I agree with you. He surprised me in the sense that. No, he's gone from this kind of sitting midfielder, number six, who can play short, sharp passes, um, but doesn't really progress forward with the with the ball. I think now you're seeing a guy who has got a ton of pace that he no, he, he doesn't produce it often, but he's got it and it gets him out of tight situations. I think his body movements are terrific. No, those kind of no twisting of the hips to get him no to get him away from people. Technically, we know he's he's outstanding. He's always been like that. No, we know about the upbringing he had at, at Arsenal. Um, but he has given Rangers another dimension now. And on a pitch like that the other night, no, they needed somebody to really kind of stand up and uh, and go over that. No, and, and give them something different. And Kamara, Kamara did that. And to be honest, I mean, I'm having to slightly alter my thinking in terms of the end of the season because I've said to you before that when Rangers are, are looking at potential assets to, to move on and make money, um, which the, the board have admitted they're going to have to do, I, I've always thought Kamara would be one um, that they could that they could sell. Um, and for a number of reasons, one is the, the quality that they've already got in the midfield. Two, the fact that he'll play in the, he'll play in the Euros and you'd expect him to have a good tournament. So interest will, will ramp up you've got a chance of getting a bigger fee and also you no know, looking at my I, I've thought previously that as much as Kamara's a really good player you no know, you could go and get an able replacement but I must admit Johnny in the last you no know, his performances of late are making me think now god do, do they really want to get rid of this guy I mean he's now he's now on that kind of level where you know you think if, if Rangers want to move forward and no ambitions of playing the Champions League and stuff. You would really want Kamara there, and that that obviously you no know, begs the question: can, can they get him tied down on a longer, bigger deal at Ibrox? The, the thing is, though, Scott, it's it's not urgent because he's on a he's still no, got three course. years at the end of the season. But that's that that makes him slightly different. A couple of other players we might touch on. Yeah, and I that, think I think it's to do with the terms, though, John. I think of course, know, of course. Yeah, I think we all know that he's not a great. A great deal wages wise, obviously coming in for for Dundee. So if there is interest, you no, know, and his agents and and he's made aware that that big clubs are coming in with, with big money, then he's going to get going to get agitated. So that that's where Rangers need to get him. Not so much on a longer deal, but certainly an improved deal where he feels more secure 
um, and no, knowing content where, where he is. Um, so I think that, listen, Gerard's commented on it a few times already, so it's up to, it really is up to the board. Although, listen, I think we've, we've said, you know, they want to get this title wrapped up, they want to get the end of the season, get get to the end of the season before they look at Kamara, Goldson, Tavernier, you know, McGregor, people like that, guys that they would mm-hmm. want to get want to get tied down. So it's going to be really interesting, but he is, yeah, as I say, his game's now at a level where I'm, I'm thinking... They're going to really want to hold on to this guy. You don't want to let him go in the summer, now. Yeah, well, one of the guys that is obviously going to be coming in in the summer is Jack Simpson, 24-year-old. Got Premier League experience coming in from Bournemouth. Looks like he'll be a, a terrific sign-in and someone that Gerard's been tracking for quite a long time. Yep. But the big question for me on this one, Scott, is this. You've got five centre-halves at Ibrox at the moment. You've got Nikola Katic, who's coming back on a from a long-term injury and He's a young man still to develop. I don't think he'll be going anywhere. You've got George Edmondson there, who's, who's in a similar boat to Katic, but, you know, given the situation that's happened this season, maybe he'll go out on loan, maybe not. Yeah. Um, Philip Hellander has been excellent, but has had injuries. Don't think he'll be going anywhere, given, you know, the, the up-and-down nature of his appearances. Um, he's been very good when he's been in, but, you know, he's had two spells where he's been out for a significant period uh, in, in the year and a half that he's been at the club. And uh, then you've got Leon Balligan, who Gerard said he wants to keep around for another season. I think they've got an option to keep him. Yeah. And Connor Connor Goldson. So presumably Jack Simpson is not going to make that six centre halves. No. So so at least one, but possibly two, will leave. I, I mean, do you, do you buy that, or do you think Rangers need five centre halves first of all? And no. secondly, if that's the case, if it if it goes down to four, who who out of those names will, will go? Well, something's got to give, John. I mean, you've you've rhymed it off there. Um, you don't need five or six centre backs. Certainly, no. When you're including four or five, who would all expect or at least want to challenge to to play and be a starter for Rangers. So that that's just not going to work. Um, Jack Simpson's left sided, so. I wouldn't be too worried. I know some Rangers fans probably worried about, you know, does him coming in uh, mean that there's an issue with Goldson extending his contract? I wouldn't be too concerned with that just because mm. uh, Gold, Goldson's right-sided and Simpson plays on the other side. So I think you need to look at the left-sided centre-backs. I, I would expect Edmondson to go out and loan before the window shuts on Monday. I know he's coming back from an injury. But I think they'll try and get him out um, to get games between now and the end of the season. Um, he's still a young player. He's obviously got his servant to bother with the COVID breach, then picked up an injury. But you know, he's a young guy that Rangers put a bit of faith in and, and you know, saw the potential in him. So I'd be surprised if they if they discarded him uh, you know, so quickly and, and so easily um, after one kind of misdemeanour. Um, so I think you need to look at then kind of Katic, Hollander, Balligan. I agree with you. No, I'd be surprised with the amount of kind of you know investment Rangers have put in Katic, um, and obviously he's coming back for for rehab. I'd be surprised if they were desperate to move him on right away. I think the concern has to be that that Balligan or Hollander uh, will go at the end of the season. Now, they've got an option of one more year. For Balligan, we don't know for definite. I mean, as much as he's been really good for them, Stephen Gerrard's praised them when he's played. We don't know for certain that Rangers are going to take that up. We don't know Balligan's 
personal circumstances, whether he wants to stay around for another year, whether he wants to go back to England. He's, I think he's approaching 33, so that will come into it. And with Hollander, no, I think he'll, I, I get the impression Hollander is happy. The Rangers fans really like him. I think he showed the other night how good a defender he is. I think you know, in terms of his defensive positioning, he's the best uh, the best Rangers have got. But I suppose it will depend on whether uh, no bids come in for him. Um, he's performed, I think, apart from one kind of poor night in Benfica, he's been really good for Rangers in the in the Europa League. There might be interest in him in the, in the summer, and Rangers might be aware of this at the moment. But certainly... No, to get back to your original point, something has to give. Jack Simpson isn't coming for Bournemouth to, to Rangers on a pre-contract to be a, no, a squad player who is going to be on the fringes. He's coming to really challenge um, no, the other centre-backs to go and play, and he will expect, this is a big move for him, he will expect to, to come to come to Ibrox and, and, and play most of the game. So... It's going to be really interesting to see how that see how that pans out in the summer. Yeah, that's uh, that was a question, by the way, from from Crazy Horse. I should have said that at the top when I uh, when I brought it in, but that was a that was a good one and an interesting one. Uh, we've got one from at Jamie Curry here, who said, "Who, in your opinion, has been the most underrated Rangers player of the season so far?" Scott, I'm just going to go ahead and give you my take on that. Yeah, I think. Uh, if you're looking at the, the, the overall performances um, throughout the season, the guy that has had probably the least amount of fanfare, but in terms of adding to what was already there, I think it's Leon Balligan. Um, because I think the core principal element of how Rangers have performed this year in relation to previous years has been the defence. Yep. And having him in there as a top, top-notch replacement for Hollander or to bring in in games where you're going up against very, very quick strikers has just taken Rangers defensively to another level. I'm not saying that he's a, a better player per se than Hollander. I'm still kind of unsure about that because I, th- I think both are very good defenders. But I just think having that alternative there that you can bring in that's of around about the same quality that doesn't diminish the defence has really been absolutely huge. I mean, you look at the amount of goals Rangers have conceded, 20 clean sheets now. It's clear the defence is the cornerstone, the foundation yeah. of this title charge. So so I would say yeah. of all the players, and let's face it, they've all had a lot of credit throughout this season. Yeah. The one that I think deserves a wee bit more than he gets sometimes is Leon Balakin. Well, on that theme... Um, and I agree with a lot, of your, your, a lot of your points, but in terms of the most underrated player, I think the most underrated player at Ibrox is Connor Golson. I don't think he gets enough. It's almost like Rangers fans and even probably us in the media have almost kind of taken, taken this guy for granted. But he's played every minute of every game for Rangers this season. You're talking about 20 clean sheets, only seven goals conceded. You're talking about cornerstones. I mean, this guy is the cornerstone of Rangers now, I would argue. I know he's the vice-captain to, to Tavernier, but I think there's there's now an argument to say he, he's even more important than, than Tavernier. And I mean on and off the pitch. Um, I've said before on here, Stephen Gerrard's quick to, to point out you know, to anyone that asks about the defence and you know, why Goldson's the one that's never rotated. 
Is it because he is the one that he can rely on? He is his main talker at the back. We know crowds this season. No, those of us fortunate enough to be at games, you, know, you get to hear a lot of the the shouts and you know hear what's going on on the pitch. And Goldson is the one you hear most of all, dragging people into position, pulling people back, berating somebody when you know they've they've gave away possession uh, unnecessarily. I think he's the guy, you know, that really, you know, defensively makes Rangers tick. And listen, the, the, the guys that have come in beside them, Hilander and Balogun, I agree, two of them have done terrific jobs. Um, but I just don't think, maybe you'll disagree, I just don't think in the, in the, you know, within the media, or even when you're looking at fans, forums, or social media, or whatever, just never feel as if Goldson gets the gets the credit he deserves. But listen, if they if they go and if they go on to you know, to clinch this title, I don't think there will be many more uh, many players more important than than Goldson and getting them. Yeah, absolutely. The only reason I didn't mention Goldson Scott is because I, I think a lot of fans now are starting to recognise what you've just said. I've got a question from GJE there, Scott, asking uh, about Irvin Welsh. Discuss. What did you make of his comment? I thought, I mean, just ridiculous, really. What can you say? A bit silly. Yeah, I, th- I think you've, you've summed it up. I mean, I only heard him uh, last night, Johnny, but I think with a guy like Irvin Welsh, you're always taking the chance. You know, as a club channel, you're obviously taking a gamble. You know he's pretty outspoken, doesn't really care what he says, but listen, I think he kind of crossed the line. I mean, I'm not, but I'm not saying for a minute Hib should be heavily reprimanded for this. I, mean, I think we're all a bit too uh, easily offended at the time, but I think he did cross the line. It was unwise, unadvisable. I think Hibs have apologised. No, that should probably be the end of the matter, but I think they'll probably they'll probably think twice about some of the guests they got on in the future. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think for a minute that he was being literal uh, in what he said about Morelos, but um, in terms no. of comments, but at the same time, you know, as you say, perhaps getting a, a sort of writer known for controversial subject matters yeah. and, and being slightly uh, loose uh, in terms of his comments, uh, especially around Rangers, probably not the best idea to get him no. on the show. I've got a question from at Ross MCB1. He's saying, what's the score with Juan Allegria? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it's all went a bit quiet, Johnny. I mean, a few weeks ago... Uh... Oh, it's probably a couple of months ago now. I was kind of chasing chasing this up. Uh, Stephen Gerrard confirmed to us uh, one day at a press conference that there was that there was definite interest there. Um, he did concede it was more of a, I think his, his exact words were, "There's been more academy eyes on the player than 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 him uh, than his." So um, it was probably more a kind of development transfer, if you like. But they'd obviously looked at that market again after the success in Morelos. And this guy's names came up. I spoke to a few people in Finland who who rate him and think he's a good, uh, a really good talent, good young prospect. So I'm sure it'll be in the pipeline. I mean, the only thing at the time that, that you no, know, that was kind of doing the rounds was that these that there's going to be new rules coming in. I think after uh, kind of post Brexit that might, uh, no, that might hamper those kind of transfers. So whether that type of thing. Has had any impact on it? I'm not. I'm not sure. But again, it's probably one that's in the pipeline, and they'll they'll revisit it at the end of the season. Yeah, I've uh, got one here from um, Graham Wynn. He's asking, who's the player of the year so far? James Tavernier or Stephen Davis? 
Well, see, until about a month ago, Johnny, six weeks ago, I would have said Tavernier will win it hands down. Um, I thought he had, he had cemented it basically with his performances and his goals. Um, probably that day at Tanadice when he scored that ridiculous free kick, I thought, mm. you know, just give him the trophy now. But going back to what we discussed earlier, I mean, never mind Stephen Davis, I think Glenn Kamara is now is now pushing him for it, to be honest, with, with some of his performances. Now, I know maybe you would want more assists and goals for Kamara you know, to get him... No, to get him really up there, but as I say, his performance the other night was, as I say, to a level where I think if he keeps that going between now and the end of the season, then I think people are going to be talking about Kamara as a as a potential player of the year. And certainly when it comes down to like the the PFA award where it's all our players voting, I think that's the type. You know, Kamara's the type of guy that, that players on the pitch playing against him every week. Will really appreciate just just how good he is, and I, I certainly think he'll be a contender. I think James Tavernier is a shoe in and should be a shoe in based on his performances this season. Honestly, I thought he was actually terrific against Hibs and 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 back to you know a kind of top level Tavernier performance, um, even though he didn't yeah. score or, or assist. But just generally, Scott, that the amount he's given this season and his his leadership qualities have been second to none. I, I, the one thing that I would say about Player of the Year, though, season after season, we see the same pattern. Someone who has a good month before the voting yeah. is always going to be the guy that's at the forefront of discussions. It's just the way it's just the way it always works out. So yeah. it's really important that you have a good March, April if you want to be Player of the Year. Because as you say, Tavernier, well, I don't really think he's particularly dropped off. He just isn't producing the, the, the same level that he, when he went through a 14-game spell where, he, where he, he just produced numbers that were completely ridiculous in terms yeah. of assists and goals. Um, but you know what, Scott, if he converts those two penalties that he missed, then there's no really question about it, is there? Um, so, no, I think it, he, he's, he's certainly the front-runner at the moment. He, he's the favourite. I mean, if, unless he, he's for him, really kind of drops off I think you're right he'll be the leading contender um, but certainly the likes of Davis Kamara yeah, and yeah. others uh, even Goldson I think will be will be in contention for it well certainly people are discussing Stephen Davis and there's no doubt he's been absolutely terrific this season but um, I have a funny feeling I know where the response to this question is going to go it's from at Nachos Novo Barry Ferguson versus Stephen Davis who is better Oof, that's a big, that's a big question. Um, for me, Barry Ferguson. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, no, it's. I don't even think personally, and I, I don't want to upset anyone. I think Stephen Davis is a terrific player. Yeah. But Barry Ferguson was different gravy at 22, 21 when he first yeah. came into the team in Dick Advocate era. You're talking about a guy who was going up against Bayern and dominating the midfield against yeah. Lothar Mateus. So I, I think. You need to be careful. I mean, Stephen Davis, as good as he's been at this level, he's, he's been terrific in the Europa League as well. But I think Barry Ferguson, if I'm being honest, uh, should have ended up at a, a really, really top European club based on how good he was in, in, in those days. And, you know, he, he gave he was a tremendous player for Rangers and, and what, a, what a career he had. And he won a heck of a lot. But, you know, when he was at his peak, Barry was just the best player I've seen Scotland in Scotland uh, in midfield uh, probably in my lifetime. Uh, I'm trying to think who would be better. Maybe Paul Gascoigne, but uh, obviously slightly yeah, different position. 
best, best Scottish player, best best Scottish player of my generation. Mm. Anyway, Johnny, yeah. no watching him growing up. Obviously, Davis was involved, and no later on uh, when Ferguson was at Rangers just for the for the second time. But you're right, Barry. No, to come into the team at that age, put the performances in. He's talking about Bayern at home. I remember uh, Bayer Leverkusen away was mm. one that, that sticks out. No, the Parma games as well. I mean, it be to be performing at that level for a young Scottish guy, no, and he get the captaincy early as well. Um, as I say, probably, probably he, the best. He played against played against England as well in the uh, right. playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, and that was an unbelievable England midfield. I, I can't remember who was playing on the night, but obviously Beckham, Scholes, Scholes. etc. Yeah, exactly. No, it, and listen, whatever. No, Barry then went to. Went to England and performed well. You, know, you look at the national team performances as well. And listen, that's not taking any away from Stephen Davis, who's been to a Euros and you know, performed in the Premier League. Um, mm. But Barry, I think, you no, know, maybe we're slightly biased because we're Scottish. Probably. And, and we didn't yeah. you know, kind of grow up watching him. But for me, Ferguson was just, just that, bit, that bit better. Yeah, for, to tell you what the difference is for me, Scott, I'm just going to pinpoint it right down to the fine detail. I think Barry Ferguson controlled the pace of a game from midfield. Everything went yeah. through him, and he controlled... If it went quicker, it went through him. If it went slower, it went through him. Where Stephen Davis, it, it, he's become more of that kind of player as time has gone on has. at the base of a midfield. But um, for most of his career, he, he was a different type of player. But Barry Ferguson was doing that when he was 22. Yeah, but you know what else are... What I really admire about Barry Ferguson when I think back to watching him is that you no, know, he came into the team as this kind of you no know, sitting midfielder, you no know, that 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 number six that as you say was controlling, dictating games. But see for a couple of seasons under Alec McLeish, you no, know, I think I'm right. You know, off the top of my head, I think like season three around that kind of time, he turned himself into this box to box midfielder where. He took on set pieces. He was arriving late in the box. I think I'm right in saying he scored like 23, 25 goals in a season. Um, for, yeah. for a couple of seasons, he was taking penalties, free kicks. I don't really think, again, without taking away, any away from Stephen Davis, I don't think Stephen Davis would have been would have been capable of that. Um, no, of getting that level of goals in a in a season for Rangers. And as I say, I think that showed that Barry was just no this all round. Well, terrific midfield player who could pretty much do anything you you wanted him to. Um, and as I say, I think that just takes him onto the takes him onto a slightly higher higher plane, Davis. But having said all that, Stephen Davis, you know, a lot of people would argue, despite what we've said about Glenn Kamara, despite the the plaudits that we've given Ryan Jack over the time we've done this podcast, is still the best midfielder in Scotland, and will go down as a an absolute club legend, given. Reached the UEFA Cup final, yeah. um, won trophies, countless trophies with Rangers in his first spell, and has come back and been one of the pivotal figures in what will be, and there's no doubt about this, this will be a legendary Rangers team if they if they win this title. Oh, hundred percent. Listen, he's been a phenomenal player for Rangers over the you know, the different the different spells, and as you say, you no, know, to come back, you no. Know, this time when there was you no know, maybe doubts about him, doubts about his age, about his forum, uh, about what position he would play, to have turned that round in uh, you know, a couple of seasons, and now he's going to be part of this this Rangers team that 
no look certain to go on and win this historic title and you're right I mean every player in this squad I think will will kind of gain legendary status just because of the circumstances you know for getting the 55th title for starting the 10 in a row for the you know the comeback the you know the kind of culmination of the you know the journey if you like from where Rangers have come from Davis has played a massive part in that and that, that's no way no to say what he did before getting to a no, a European final and, and winning no numerous trophies. So as I say, listen, it's there will be thousands of people that would argue Davis is better and no justifiably he's had a phenomenal career, um, both at Rangers and and down south. But as I say, may, maybe we're slightly biased, but you can only go on your your gut instinct and no, if it was a if you were going into a no a, a Rangers Celtic game or a big European game tomorrow and you could have peaked Barry Ferguson or peaked Stephen Davis at the heart of your midfield then I think I would take take Ferguson every time yeah it's a good good question and a good talker though right okay Scott we're going to going to wrap this up call it a day for um the podcast this afternoon obviously we're going to be back next week with uh, all the latest Rangers action don't know what day but we'll definitely be here if you enjoy the pod and we know many of you do please go onto iTunes and give us five stars our review as this helps us get to as many listeners as possible and of course if you want to continue the debate you can get me at Johnny R. McFarlane on Twitter or Scott at Scott McDermott 8 until next time thanks for listening